You called me a scanner. What is that? Freak of nature, born with a certain form of ESP, the derangement of the, the synapses, which we call telepathy. Hi and welcome to episode 3 of The Movie Mark, I'm Steve Pickett. Today's film, as you've probably already guessed, is Scanners, David Cronenberg's 1981 horror... Mm, is it horror? Uh, I guess there's some horrific elements to it, but I guess it's more kind of sci-fi thriller than horror for me now. Uh, but it probably was quite a horrific film back in this day. Um, but that's the classic that I'm going to be going over today. It's another one of the films that I found in my loft... If you've listened to the past two episodes of the podcast, you'll know that I've been up in my loft and I've found a load of old, frankly, battered-to-death VHS tapes that I'm re-watching um, and sort of rediscovering some old films that I haven't seen for uh, 10, 15, some of them even longer years. Uh, and today's is Scanners. Now, uh, before we get to the film, we've got to talk about the mug, the uh, the, the drink that I, uh, uh, that I imbibed whilst watching the movie. And, um, well, it's nearly Easter. Easter's on its way, uh, in this country at least. I'm, I'm pretty sure it's the same all over the world, but I'm not entirely sure about that. I'll need to check that for tomorrow's podcast. But um, So I thought I'd have some chocolate today, uh, and it's got to be in a mug, so chocolate in a mug's got to be hot chocolate. Galaxy's instant hot chocolate, little tiny sachet you can get from uh, your local... Uh, your local supermarket, and uh, well, I'm having it today in a, a, a Cadbury's mug. <laughs> so, uh, yes, yeah, a little, little bit of competitiveness in the mug there, and it's contentious. Two different warring factions of the chocolate world vying for my uh, my affections there within a mug. Um, all good stuff. So, um, anyway, to scanners. Well, like I was saying, when I was growing up, um, there was yeah, there was this would have been sort of early eighties, eighty one, eighty two, eighty three. The film actually came out in nineteen eighty one, so it's probably two years after that when I would have been about ten, eleven, something like that. There were there were films that I, I I just wasn't allowed to see. You know, simple as that. You know, my parents would not allow me to see these films because of you know horrific content or something sexual or whatever. You know, whatever the reason is, there's certain films that I wasn't allowed to see. I was only ten, eleven, twelve again. Yeah, so I was only a kid. But um, there were lots of films that nobody could see because they were like on the banned list in the UK. Films like uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Evil Dead. You know, a couple of other films I've talked about on other podcasts like Zombie Flesh, stuff like that. You you know, these films just weren't available at all unless you got them on extremely dodgy pirate cassettes back in the early 80s, which you know, was possible, but they weren't really commonplace. But there were some films that were also seen as, you know, oh, those are really, really nasty, horrible sort of films, but they were readily available. They were, they were certified and you could get them in, in rental shops. The, um, the Probably the most... Uh, notorious of those at around the, around that kind of time would have been the exterminator, the vigilante revenge you know film um, that had the famous scene with the meat grinder um, you know that I mean you, know, you just weren 't allowed to watch it and I guess that you know now that I have seen it kind of uh, whatever you know I think it was about ten years later when I actually did round to get around to actually seeing it it was well, it's absolute garbage is what it is you know it's it's, uh, it's, it's, it's an appalling film is the exterminator um, and you know that was one that stuck in my mind, but the other one that stuck in my mind at the time was scanners um, and there 's a reason for that is because back then you you, you couldn 't really get hold you know trailers weren 't very very commonplace you know maybe late night TV stuff like that there 's a few magazines and what have you you know it certainly wasn 't in the internet stuff like that, but I saw 
two images um, from Scans. Not only the cover itself, which is quite dramatic, you know, with the image of uh, uh, of Revic, the the main scanner played by Michael Ironside, you know, with his mouth open and head thrown back, and that's the point of the end of the film. But the there was two images that I saw in a magazine, and um, one of them was just this guy, uh, uh, bald, slightly bald, in pair of glasses, and his so you could just he was just sitting at a desk, you know, it looked like a bit like a newsreader to be fair, sitting at a desk. Um, with his head cocked slightly to one side, and then it was a still frame shot. And then the next one right next to it was that same person, but his head literally blown apart, ripped in, ripped in all kinds of, uh, of of angles, and just all this gore and blood splaying all over the place. Um, you know, spraying up the walls and whatever. Two freeze frame shots: one of him just there, the next one with his head just exploded. And those images, kind of like. That you know they 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 made an impact on a young Steve. You know that I had to see what this was about. You know that that was the 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 the, the image that that sort of struck me as the as that was what the film was all about. Um, and it is to some degree. But um, I mean those scenes are from an early scene in the film. Um, you get you introduces the film introduces Daryl Revick, who's played by Michael Ironside, like I said. And Michael Ironside had uh, been in an awful lot of, uh, of of movies and TVs and all sorts of things over the years. A lot of uh, a lot of crap, unfortunately. You know, some of these some of these guys in these films do appear in a lot of crap. But you know, I probably remember him best for being uh, Jester in Top Gun, uh, one of the 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 the, uh, the trainers. Um, it was also uh, Ham Tyler in the in V, and. You know, if you ask any of the sort of like uh, uh, kids of today, early twenties and whatever, you, know, you ask him about Sam Fisher from uh, Splinter Cell. He's the voice of Sam Fisher. But he's been an awful lot of stuff, an awful lot of stuff. Um, actually, probably one of his best. Well, one, actually, saying that, Top Gun and V, they were two really, really good. But the other one would have been um, Total Recall. He was the main bad guy in Total Recall who got his arms cut off by the lift at the end. Yeah, it was good in that as well. So um, but there you go. He plays Daryl Revick, and he's a basically he's a guy who's got a really powerful psychic ability telekinesis tele tele telekinetic or whatever you want to call it you know psychic ability um and that can um, well it can literally rip your head open as he uh, as he shows at the beginning he volunteers uh, for a test with uh, another uh, less able scanner uh, as a demonstration of scanning powers you know this guy's having some sort of conference and saying about you know what scanners can do um and he he volunteers not knowing that he's a much more powerful scanner Revik is far too powerful than this other guy who is attempting to read his mind or suggest some thoughts. Um, and basically his head just literally explodes <laughs> uh, right in front of this in audience. Um, and it, it's really well done. It's a fantastic scene. It's a fantastic sequence. There's a quite a lot of tension in it. It builds up really well. It's well acted. And the effect of the head bursting is brilliantly, superbly done. It was a landmark scene. Um, interesting goof really there is that Revok is sitting right next to him uh when his head explodes and and you know when when you see it the gore really does fly it blows up i mean basically they made the effect the effect was made by filling a fake head with uh dog food and the guts of a rabbit and stuff like that you know sort of awful and what have you and um shot at it from behind with a 12 gauge shotgun so you can imagine that you know the the the, the blood really did gush Revik in the film is sitting right next to him you see him in the next scene standing up not a single drop of blood on him not a stitch nothing at all he should be absolutely covered in it his hair matted not a single stitch so either that's some other unforetold unforeseen scanner ability in which he can actually move things in midair which possibly he can uh, but it wasn't explained but uh, a bit of a goof there really he should have been covered in that um 
so anyway, so obviously he shows that he's got. Uh, well, doesn't it? He, 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 you, you see that he's got this fantastic power that he can uh, make people's heads literally rip open, and it goes back and explains it. And the film really is about these mothers were treated with an experimental drug during their pregnancy and the, uh, those mothers gave birth to some 240 odd I guess they're basically mutants you know with these telepathic powers and some have learnt to live with a power others want to use it for harm and I guess chief amongst those would be Revok who wants to wreck, uh, wreck harm and havoc on people and uh, basically he, he aims to kill any scanner who doesn't join his underground movement and uh, you know that's the basic film really um, on the opposing side you've got Cameron Vale who's played by Stephen Lack um, now he really hasn't done a great deal much more he was also in Dead Ringers which was Cronen- one of Cronenberg's other films uh, and I, when I first saw it I thought it was the guy who played the lead um, uh, or uh, Stephen his, his name's Stephen he played, uh, I thought it was the guy who played Stephen in Dawn of the Dead because I think they look really really similar to one another but of course that wasn't, that was David M.G. Um, who also didn't do a great deal of other things other than Dawn of the Dead so maybe it is the same guy and he changed his name who knows I don't know. Um, he he's introduced early on in the film, and at first he doesn't really know what a scanner is, or or the fact that he is a scanner. He just knows that he's got some. I guess you could call it a gift. Um, it's shown in the early scenes in which he he tries to suggest to some two women that you know to give them some of his food. He's basically homeless. Uh, tries to put in some suggestions into them, like to give them some food. But instead of that, he kind of goes a bit too far and she ends up convulsing on the floor and you realise then that he's got some sort of strange power. Um, but he also gets alerted to a uh, basically a, a sinister company called Consec, a security and weapons company, who uh, they're, they're, they're kind of researching the scanner uh, uh, capability as to as whether or not it could be used as a weapon and some other stuff as well. Um, but uh, Vale gets brought in uh, by Dr. Ruth Vale, played by Patrick McGowan, the most famous of all of, of all the cast. Uh, obviously, he's uh, Patrick McGowan was TV's The Prisoner, uh, you know, and many other things. He was in Braveheart and stuff like that. But um, uh, probably would have been a good um, Magneto, I think. You know, not that Ian McKellen was a bad Magneto, but I think he would have been a good Magneto as well. He, Dr. Vale, is a um, uh, he's. Basically, he's trying to understand the scanner art. You know, well, it's not an art. Basically, trying to understand what scanning is and trying to trying to sort of temper it using a drug called ephemeral. And it turns out that ephemeral was the drug that actually made the scanners in the first place. And what goes on later in the film to suggest that well, not suggest, but you know, sort of say that the scanners are being bred because of this this drug that he made. But um, but he basically employs uh, Cameron Vale as a, as an insurgent, trains him to use his powers, you know, temper them so that heads don't explode and and calm them down and and use them to infiltrate and get into Revok's world and uh, sort of flush him out and bring him um, to them. So uh, basically, you know, so that their scanners aren't being killed off. And you know, that's that's the basic premise. And what plays out next across the rest of the film is a kind of sci-fi-ish sort of cat and mouse thriller-ish. I'm using the word ish quite a bit because it kind of really I don't think the film really knows what it is I mean it, it sort of puts it there forward as, a, as a, being an out and out horror gore film but there is actually very little in it gore there's that one major scene at the beginning and then there's the one scene at the end and there's a few in the middle but not nothing big so it's more of a kind of mystery 
thrillerish kind of film, uh, which you know leads Vale to uncover the plot behind it all, which you know uh, is, is like I said, leading to creating a new race of scanners and, and an army for Revok, and no doubt potential sequels, which it did do. Um, so, <laughs> but uh, yeah, these scanners can use their powers to read minds. They can cause pain, obviously death. They can implant suggestions or thoughts. And in one absolutely ludicrous sequence, uh, apparently they can hack computers as well. He, uh, Vale uses his scanner ability uh, down a uh, just a basic payphone, you know, just a sort of you know what find in the middle of a street to hack into a uh, an organisation's network. I mean, you know, we're talking 1981, so we're not talking you know firewalls and the net and stuff like that. We're just talking. I mean, you, when you see the computers, you see these really poor looking awful looking you know sort of like old computers with green screens and nothing much more than that but he, he hacks in and gets the information he wants from uh, from a computer so it's quite ridiculous because surely that you know organic versus digital can they do that you know if he can hack a computer i mean if they were to remake this film today which they very nearly did uh, and i think they should do if they were to remake this film today you know what kind of questions would that open about having been able to hack you know people's iphones and uh, you know bluetooth and stuff like that and get onto the net it would be maybe maybe it's quite an interesting way to look at it but um so it, it runs its course uh, and you're probably getting from my word that you know it's kind of boring <laughs> it's kind of plodding it's incredibly low budget it's you know very very dark in places and very very light in others so you know not a lot of stage stuff it was mostly filmed on locations in warehouses and people's houses and you know outside and whatever so it 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 looks really really cheap um and i guess really after the initial head explode right at the beginning of the film you know the fun kind of stops and it becomes really really plodding and quite boring some of the dialogue is quite tripe you know there's there's one sequence where he um towards the end as a fight between Revok and Vale um which is is pretty good to be fair the fight it's it's uh it's suitably eye popping and veins bursting and skin tearing because they're using their scanner abilities on each other um to uh, uh basically trying to outscan each other as such but you know he he sets it up by going oh Revit goes, if we're going to do this the scanner way, then I'm going to suck your brain dry. You know, real, real bad. I guess that echoes a little bit of the really, really poor dialogue in Starship Troopers, which is also in uh, Michael Ironside, when he uh, pops his head into uh, that guy's brain, uh, guy's uh, head and pulls out his fingers and goes, they sucked his brains out. Uh, poor, poor dialogue. Not very, uh, not very literate, but there you go. Um, so, uh, yeah, so the end sequence is pretty good the way it's done. You know, that's kind of like tops and tails of the movie. You've got the head exploding at the beginning. You've got this one at the end. And they're quite gory. Like I say veins popping, skin tearing, eyes bursting, you know, lots of blood flying and whatever. And, um, you know, as they gurn each other in the kind of the way that you see the scanners do something, you know, it's all, it's all based on their looks and the, and the music. They're kind of kind of awful, kind of whiny. Sort of. I mean, to be fair, the music in this film is, is pretty appalling. Um... So uh, yeah, not a great film. Not it hasn't stood up very well in in my opinion. Um, and it's best watched just for those particular two sequences. And you know that's that's about it really. But um, it it does have a place in my heart as being a film that I really, really, really absolutely had to see because of the sequence. And as it turns out, that's the only reason to see this film. It um, it spawned a few sequels. Like I said, um, it, there was a spin off as well. There was Scanners Two, which I think took which was ten years later for them to produce Scanners Two. Um, none of the returning cast actors director nothing no it was all completely new it's basically like a new generation kind of thing and then they did a third one to that literally a year later so they probably you know came off of one straight into the other and then there was a spin-off series called scanner cop 
uh, and then Scanner Cop 2. None of which I've seen. I haven't seen the Scanner Cop. I've seen all the Scanner um, uh, um, films, and they're all appalling, really. They've never got any better. Scanner Cops I've never seen, uh, and frankly, don't really think I want to. But uh, not with a name like that. It's, um, but it, I think it's you know, it's a film that uh, it's it's probably due it, it is due a remake I'd say you know there was uh, Darren Lynn Boosman who's the guy behind most of the Saw sequels you know the ones in the middle uh, I think two three four and five I think he directed I remember rightly um, he was uh, down to actually do uh, a remake uh, or a, a reboot uh, a few years ago but um, it never happened it lapsed for whatever reason but uh, you know it, it, looking back at it now yeah the the story needs seriously tightening up tightening up uh, but you can redo the effects you know 3d would be good that exploding head in 3d would be fantastic it'd be like the jaws um uh, sort of like blowing up shark at the end of uh, jaws 3 but uh, you could do something with that you could really integrate modern technology into whether or not the scanners you know can get into that you know that's that that whole aspect of the film could be uh, could be well realized it's um you know there's there's elements there of of a potential good film and a good story but this really wasn't it a cronenberg david cronenberg is a fantastic director director don't get me wrong really really good he's done some of my favorite films um he'd already done rabid and shivers and the brood before hitting us with this literal it's a mind fuck is what it is you know and it was his highest grossing film up to um probably his best film in my opinion which was the fly in 1986 i think that was his his his, his real fantastic uh, achievement was the remake of the fly um but this wasn't one of his better films uh, i know that there was a lot of issues with script and filming um it's quite well documented so maybe some of that you know translates into not a great film but um but you know if it was certainly gave him the ability to produce uh, and direct some of his later films like The Fly, then, you know, thank God we got Scanners in the end. Um, so there it is, 1981, Scanners. Uh, seek it out for the two sequences, the one at the beginning and the one at the end, and kind of miss all the stuff in the middle because it really is kind of boring and it isn't worth watching. Um, and that is today's Movie Mug. Movie Mug.